0: Let me indicate, firstly, why we uh, oppose the application that sought to set aside our decision, our earlier decision, not to grant parole since we took office. And starting with the very first case uh, we had to deal with on the issue of parole, namely that of Mr. Eugene de who we then uh, refused parole. The ground, uh, and then on the grounds that... uh, victims of the assemblies had not been consulted. We have still been very consistent with ensuring that in every single application for parole that we consider, we require evidence of some effort to engage the victims uh, of the crimes uh, for which the offender uh, uh, seeks parole. Um, now, a we have been very consistent in that regard, and it's only when it's not possible to locate victims or the victims are not keen to participate or some other, you know, legitimate grounds that we would then uh, disregard uh, enforcing that requirement. Now, in this instance, our impression was that there was no evidence of cooperation on the part of the offender uh, in working with the families family of the victim, in ensuring that the, they also uh, are assisted to find closure uh, in the matter. And we felt that on that ground, uh, he had not satisfied us uh, as a suitable candidate for parole.
1: Minister, I'd like to focus on another issue, and that is uh, recent changes to parole in South Africa. Now, according to the Parole and Correctional Supervision Amendment Act 87, of 1997 and uh, eventually the changes that were made in 2009 which obviously uh, determine who has the final say. There are those who say the manner in which the amendments or the laws were enacted, that they overlapped and has therefore set confusion as to who is the final arbiter of whether or not uh, prisoners should be sentenced to life or even released on parole.
0: Well, I have always understood that ultimately uh, the minister uh, responsible for corrections uh, make the decision. Whether uh, that is directly from the parole board recommendations or uh, after advice uh, obtained from the NCCS, um, the the ultimate decision lies um, with the executing authority responsible for corrections, in this case uh, ourselves um so so that issue to the best of my knowledge, should not arise.
1: Let me, take, I don't think it's let me tell you why I say that, Minister, because critics say if you look at the commencement of the 1997 Act, it was the 1st of October 2004, the same commencement date of the 1998 Act. Section 78 thereof, which says prior to any further amendment stipulated that uh, it is the court based on the recommendations of the parole board that actually has the final say.
0: Well, I am not aware of um, that contention. I certainly do not recall a a court deciding upon itself to to make the decision rather than referring uh, the matter back to ourselves. I do know that, um, and we we were concerned about the the Barker judgment um, previously or earlier last year, which, um, as we interpreted it, had the effect of um, uh, itself placing uh, an offender who we had refused parole uh, on parole immediately, and then, in a sort of contradictory way, uh, giving us seven days within which to set the conditions, without which parole could not occur. So... (laughs) One would have expected in that instance, mm-hmm. for the sake of um, making sense, for the court to at least have said, if that's what they, are, they wanted to decide, mm-hmm. that the person is placed on parole within that same period that we were we required to uh, make the, uh, the conditions, to determine the conditions. But other than that, I'm not aware of a decision where our alternate deci- uh, authority to make decision to place on parole uh, has been uh, questioned.
1: With due respect then, Minister, then how are we to understand what has happened now? Because the matter was taken to court and it would seem that the court then had the final say to say that Yanush Valush needs to be released on parole.
0: No, no, I think uh, the context and like I said, I haven't read the judgment yet. I haven't um, uh, because it's not there yet as I understand. Um, And of course, I haven't even seen the order yet. Um, But my understanding is that um, every executive decision or administrative decision can be taken on review before a court of law as a general rule. And that would have been the basis on which um, our decision would have been taken uh, uh, on. I don't think that... um, the, the court would have decided that we were not supposed to to have any say on whether uh, he should be placed on parole or not, because you can imagine then it means that uh, people who want to be placed on parole would have to approach a court in every instance and apply for parole. Hmm. Uh, if that were the, the, the correct interpretation of the law,
1: My fun- that would
0: place the courts... Uh, in in a position of making executive decisions as to whether somebody gets placed on parole or not. Minister, my understanding that what what actually happens and happened here is that we make executive decisions or administrative decisions uh, in the executive sphere and courts have the uh, prerogative uh, to entertain uh, review applications against our decisions, which what ourselves, of course, mm. yeah, appeal if we not
1: here. Sure. Minister, uh, just a final question. You see, one of the reasons I'm asking all of these questions is because the widow of uh, Chris Haney, made in has been very critical of this, and she speaks in terms of the separation of powers. So how would you then respond to this? Is this indicative of how well the separation of powers are actually working?
0: I, I would have expected in this instance and in the previous uh, case I alluded to of Mr. Lewis, for the court, rather than to substitute our executive's decision with a judicial decision to place on parole, to rather refer the matter back for reconsideration um, with particular directives. But um, I accept that the courts have decided to the matter in a particular way, and of course they are the final arbiters when it comes to interpretation uh, and application of the law, and and we take cue from them, and if that is the approach, I do not know if that would be one of the considerations we will make uh, as as one of the grounds for appeal. Uh, It would be premature now to deal with the legal uh, grounds Uh, when we haven't even uh, seen the judgment and also uh, thereby uh, appreciated the reasons thereof. Um, But at this stage, um, it it seems to be a simple question of the court having overturned or overruled us and uh, uh, leaving it to us whether we accept that decision or ourselves take that decision on appeal, which, which I believe we're entitled to.